Evening, church. I feel like um, having, I'm going to have some fun tonight. Um, hopefully, you know, you will enjoy the fun that I'm having as well. I just, I don't know. I don't know why I'm feeling fun. <laughs> but who here often listens to the radio? Anybody often listens to the radio on their way to work or from work or they just do it for a habit? Um, sometimes when I'm listening to the radio, I often hear about these mini competitions and, and the contestant, they, they call up and they get one to two questions right. And apparently they already won an iPad or like a decent amount of cash. And I'm like, man, your prize is pretty good. And you will think they'll be happy with that. But then sometime the radio host will go, but Bobby Boucher, you can risk all your previous prizes to win a Mercedes Benz. Would you risk it all? And hardly do I ever hear anyone say, oh, nah, mate, I'll be right. Like, I, n- I never hear that. Usually what I hear is, what's the question? And so what the radio host does is he gives a question that is ridiculously hard compared to the other two questions. And most times the contestants get it wrong. Now, what was the drive that made them continue? You know, they already had an awesome prize, but why wasn't that enough? What was the drive behind? Oh, oh, duh, Dexter, it's a Mercedes-Benz. No, the drive is greed. (laughs) Greed is an epidemic. Have you ever seen shows like Deal or No Deal? Will or Fortune? Who wants to be a millionaire? Haven't you seen those shows? Have you not ever imagined yourself or wished that you, that you were on the TV show there and then? You'd be one of the lucky contestants that get onto the show to win that amount of money. Have you not wished that you were on those shows before? That is just greed screaming out of your hearts. Oslodo. It's been operating for years now with the motto with, wouldn't it be nice? And then you fill in the blank. Wouldn't it be nice to go on a big holiday? Wouldn't it be nice to travel the world? Wouldn't it be nice to have a new home? Wouldn't it be nice to have a new car? Wouldn't it be nice to have unlimited bubble tea for the rest of your life? Now, growing up, I knew families that week after week religiously always buy these lotto tickets And sometimes they would ask me to pray for them. I'm like, no. Do they win? No, because probably I didn't pray for them. But but this is a true story. This is what happened when I was uh, around seven years old. And um, I used to go to my local deli to get some candy. And I went in one day and my deli guy was like, hey, hey, boy, come here. And I'm like, okay. I came and it's like, oh, can you circle some numbers for me? And I'm like. Give me some bubble gum. <laughs> and I circled some numbers for him and I never saw him again. Did he win? I, I don't know. <laughs> but I traded for bubble gum. I should have asked for something more. But I was only seven then. True story. Casinos, hotels. They have something what you call a slot machine often or, or a poker machine, if you will. And people will spend sitting there hours upon hours, days upon days, and it's only fueling the desire to have more. Why? Because they're discontent. And this thing is called greed. 
Now tonight I want to talk about how do we combat this cardinal sin called greed because it's pretty much the opposite of generosity. And as a church, as you know, we are going through the month of generosity. So how can we make sure that we are generous instead of greedy? Now how do we do that? But before we dig into any of this, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, may you send your Holy Spirit. Teach us and show us how valuable and precious is your Son for us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So tonight, the main passage that we're looking at is Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. You can open your Bibles up there. Now the MC, Gershom, has already read out the passage to us. And there's this strange saying. I don't know if you caught it. The strange saying in verses 22 and 23, it says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your body is full of darkness. Nani? What? What does this even mean? Have you guys... What does this even mean? Let's find out. Let me try to explain this phrase to you. There's a lot of light in this room, yeah? Now, if your eye is working properly, it will absorb all these lights and you can see things. And when you walk around, you don't trip over things and hurt yourself. Now, but if your eyes isn't working, even though there's a lot of light in this room, your body feels like it's in utter, total darkness. So, because there's no other parts of your body that absorbs light to see unless you're a plant. But you're not. You don't photosynthesize. You don't do that. This little phrase here in verses 22 and 23, it's talking about blindness. Just remember that, blindness. But blindness to what? Now let's jump to Luke chapter 11 and 12. There's some illustration that Jesus talks about. Now this is, it, it's, it, he talks about the eyes as the lamp of the body. And then he talks about money. It's, it's all connected here. It's just a parallel verse that Jesus is talking about in, in Luke. It's all connected. And this is what Jesus says in Luke 12 verse 15. So watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Watch out. Be on your guard against greed. Now what is greed? It's a listed sin. It simply means the desire to have more. Now this is what greed does. It distorts the way you see things. What do you mean? Greed has the power to blind you from greed. Remember that. Greed has the power to blind you from greed. Here's the thing. When I'm talking about greed, not many of you or any of you here would think, Surely, Pastor Dex is not talking about me. I'm not greedy. No way am I greedy. That's what greed is. It, it, it's, it talks about greed as an eye sin. It darkens your eye spirit. It makes you, you don't see the real picture here. It, it, it's funny because nobody thinks that when I talk about greed that you still now, I feel that there's a resistance. No, no, I'm, I'm not greedy. I'm not greedy. Because all you need to do is, is to know someone who is a bit more greedier than you, and you will dismiss that you're greedy altogether. But Jesus says, watch out. 
Because some of you might be greedy. Now, don't you think it's funny? Because Jesus doesn't say, watch out, because you might be angry. Now, you know exactly when you're angry. It's like you, your face goes red and you're clenching your fist and you feel it. You feel that you're angry. So Jesus doesn't warn us, watch out, you might be greedy. Jesus also doesn't warn us like this, watch out, because you might be committing adultery. Now, you kind of know when you're committing adultery. It's not like, oh, wait a minute, you're not my wife. It doesn't work that way. You know exactly when you're committing adultery. But with greed, that's why Jesus gives the warning here. Watch out because some of you might be greedy. You just need to think of someone richer than you, living more extravagantly than you, or more stingy or, or frugal than you. All you need to know is someone more greedy and you dismiss yourself as a greedy person. The truth is, we are all greedy. We all want more. The beast called greed can never be satisfied. And here's the thing. The rich can be greedy. The very poorest can be greedy. The issue of greed is not the amount. It's the attitude. The issue of greed is not the amount, but the attitude. The attitude of always wanting more. For example, money. You can have a huge amount of money and you depend on it and it will kill you. Or you cannot have so much money, but you crave it. That can also kill you. That's why Jesus talks about money. And did you know that Jesus talks more about money than heaven and hell combined together? Because he knows how dangerous money could be for us. That's why he commands this in verse 19, Matthew 6 verse 19. He says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth, rust, destroy, where thieves break in to steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust could not destroy and thieves could not get to. Now the first part of this is, don't store up yourselves treasure on, on, on earth. Now why? And, and how do we even store up treasures on earth? What, what does Jesus mean by that? Now again, look, let's look, look to Luke chapter 12. There's a story about this man who, who's really rich, who had a huge windfall. He's made it. He's, he's got to the top. He's, his crops were like on steroids or something. And he just gained a massive amount of wealth. And he had nowhere to store it. He's, his barn is, is full now. And he's like, do you know what he does? He thinks to himself, oh, I've got nowhere to store all this wealth. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tear down my barn and build a bigger storehouse. A bigger storehouse to store all my stuff. And he stores it in and then he says, now I can chillax. Now I can enjoy my life because I have many years to come. But then that very same night, God says, you fool. This very night, your life is demanded from you. Then who would have access to your wealth that you stored for yourself? And then there's a warning. Chapter 12. This is from chapter 12, verse 21. Here's the warning. This, this is also us here. This is also how it be with 
anyone who stores up things for himself. In other words, treasures on earth and not rich towards God. Also being rich towards God does not mean that we're here to make God rich, that God needs your money. No, 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 no. Being rich toward God is not making God rich, but it's to count God as your riches. It's about you living in such a way that you know God is valued, that God is your treasure. Now we'll get back to that very soon. God is your treasure. We'll get back to it. Now let's hop back to Matthew chapter 6, the main passage for tonight. So we would know how to store treasures on earth. We we're, not, we're told not to do it. So how you store treasures on earth is if you hoard stuff. If you keep hoarding stuff and not giving stuff away, if you just keep building bigger stuff, bigger stuff, thinking that you're going to enjoy it. That's how you store up treasures on earth. But then the second part is, instead of doing that, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Now, the same question. How do we store up treasures in heaven? Now jump back to Luke chapter 12, verse 32 to 34. I know we're jumping around Scripture a lot, but sometimes, well, most of the time, Scripture explains Scripture, so we need to do it. So it's up on the screen. How are we supposed to store up treasures in heaven? This is what verse 32 says. Jesus says, Do not fear, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you his kingdom. Now this, this passage, just to stop here, it's, he's talking about generosity. Okay, sometimes we don't be generous because we fear. Hey, if I give too much, wouldn't I be in need? Wouldn't I be in a big trouble? Just that sentence alone. Do not fear, little flock. If we are his flock, then he's the shepherd. And a shepherd always cares and gives his life for the sheep. That's what a good shepherd would do. And also in that sentence, your father. Now Jesus, if he's the father, then what are you? You are his kids. And a good father is very protective. I'm very protective of my little girl. You boys stay away. And he also says, he's, he's pleased to give you his kingdom. Now if he has a kingdom, what does that make him? A king. And what does that make you? His people. Now, because he's a king, he has the power and authority to look after you. So that's why he can encourage us to be generous. Hey, I'm your shepherd. I'm your father. I'm your king. Therefore, therefore, sell all your possessions and give to the poor. Give to the poor. Be generous to them. Provide for yourself purses that will never wear out, a treasure in heaven that would not be exhausted, where no thief can come near and no moth can destroy. You see the parallel in that? It's all connected. So how do you store up for yourself treasures in heaven? Well, according to that passage, you give to the poor. Now, I know some preachers would use this passage and say, oh, therefore, you need to give to my ministry and buy me a jet plane. I'm not going to do that. I wish I could, but I can't. Because this passage clearly says, no, no, no. It's not about giving to your church because there's other passages that says give to your church where tithe is it's your duty. Tithing is your duty to the church. No, but this, this passage here, it's, it's purely talking about, no, you want to store up treasure in heaven? You give to the poor. Not convinced? 
Let's look at Luke chapter 18. Now, this story is about the rich young ruler. When sometimes people read this passage, when Jesus talks about the rich, sometimes if we are really honest, we think, yeah, get him, Jesus. Yeah, get the rich, get the rich. Be like Robin Hood, steal from the rich, give to the poor. Like, yeah, we like that. But we fail to realize we are the rich. What are you talking, Dexter? I'm a student. I'm poor as. <laughs> no, no, you are rich. If you're living in Australia, you are the rich. You are at the top 1% of the world in finance. I, just look at the stats on Google. You're rich. <laughs> Think about this. While most part of the world live in utter poverty, if they go into your homes and they just see your toilet, they will marvel. Where they live in parts of the world where they are traveling kilometers just to get to a water source where you can just turn on the tap. They walk kilometers to their water source and you know that water that they have come to? It's, it's brown. It's murky. It's not clean. They can drink it and they will risk dying, but they will still drink it. And when they come to your toilet, they will see, what? They will go crazy. You use drinkable, clean water to do what? To flush away your waste? That is crazy to them. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, oh, Dexter, toilet water isn't drinkable. No, it is drinkable. I've witnessed it. When I, not me. Not me. When I was in grade two, I saw my friend where he did it for the day and he drank toilet water. And he's, is he still alive? Yes, he is. Toilet water is drinkable. Now, to some of you, even tap water is not drinkable. You prefer the bottle. Bottle water. You know what? You are the rich here. You are the rich that Jesus is talking about tonight. The thing is, you only need to know someone richer than you. You compare yourself with someone richer than you and you won't even consider yourself as rich. So long story short, this rich young ruler asked Jesus, how can I gain eternal life? And Jesus pretty much says, sell everything and give to the poor, and then you will have treasures in heaven, and then you follow me. So again, how do you lay up treasures in heaven? It's by giving to the poor. Sadly, this rich young ruler couldn't do that. The passage says he had great wealth, and he walked away sad. Now this story is a tragedy. Now, this man was face to face with the greatest treasure that the universe could offer. And he walked away from that because he considered his earthly wealth the greatest. And he missed out on truly what was better. This was a trade up, not a trade down. And he lost out. And of course, he walks away in sadness. Why? Because earthly treasure would only lead to sadness. Now, some of you may th be thinking, thinking of the Mexican taco ad, why not both? <laughs> can't we have earthly treasures and heavenly treasures together? Like, you know, can't, can't we have both? You can't. 
Hop back to Matthew 6, verse 24. Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters. Either we will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Either you serve God with your money, or your money just owns you. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10, it doesn't say money is evil, but it says the love of money is the root of all evil. Now money may not be your treasure. You may not be interested in so much money. But money could be the source of your treasure. It could be, you know, your car, your house. I don't know what you own, your shoes, lots of pairs of shoes. I, I don't know what you collect. Your trading cards. The society that we live in sadly believes the one who dies with the most toys wins. And there's even a saying in our society, money doesn't buy happiness, but many of us are still tempted to think, well, at least it can buy me pleasure and security. But if you fall into that trap, your bubble may burst because God may say to you, you fool. This very night, your life is demanded from you. I hope that doesn't happen to you guys. I love you guys. But if it happens, and if you were relying on temporal treasures, it would only lead to sadness. You need to know that money, yes, it is, has power, but it's limited and it's temporal. Money is temporal. Earthly treasures will go to waste. I don't know what earthly treasures you have. Example, the tech people. Okay, If you're very good with technology, um, let's say you're an Apple follower. The, uh, this is my iPhone. Right? It's... I can see the disgust in your face. It's like, Dexter, your, your phone's outdated. <laughs> Upgrade. I will, I will. The latest iPhone right now is iPhone what? X. <laughs> These tech guys. <laughs> now, I don't know how many iPhones in the future there will be. iPhone Y, iPhone Z, like Dragon Ball Z, I don't know. But every technological device will become obsolete. Time will bring about the destructions of your treasure. Moth and rust are agents of time that will eventually destroy your treasure, no matter what it is. Maybe some of you, your treasure is your looks. That's why you spend so much on beauty products. But no matter amounts of beauty products, Botox, well, I don't know what they do these days, Korean stuff, I, I don't know, face masks, I, I don't know. Your looks will fade. No matter how much you dye your hair, some of you, it will start to become gray. And some others, no hair. Okay, good. No, no one's bold here. Or maybe if your treasure was in your health, you can spend so much money on the gym, but time, with time, your health will decline. Time will bring about the destruction. That's what moth and rust is. Time. It will bring about the destructions of your earthly treasure. And is this not why people live in anxiety? Because they know that their treasure is not secure. 
You buy a case for your phone because phone these days are so fragile. And even ancient days, people would try to bury their treasure because they know it's not secure. Now, if you guys are gutsy enough and you walk around my neighborhood that I grew up in, it's called Inala. It's, it's like ghetto as and it's barbed wires in some fences. It's just a crazy place. And that's the place I grew up in. But if you walk around my town, what you will realize is you'll be able to pick out the Vietnamese houses. Why? Because the Vietnamese houses are the houses with the metal bars. It looks like jails. Why? Because Vietnamese have this habit of not trusting the bank and they will just hoard cash and hide cash under their pillow or under their bed. I don't know. They buy, buy gold and they always store their treasures in their house. And they know that their treasures are fragile. They know that thieves will still come in and break in. No matter how the metal bar is, they just pull it out and they know that their treasures could be gone the next moment they come home. Treasures, our earthly treasures, are fragile. It's fragile. Now Jesus frees us from this lifestyle. A lifestyle of worry, anxiety and greed. You know what he presents to us? He presents to us another way to live. This is exactly what he presents to the rich young ruler. He says, follow me. Follow me. You see what he was trying to, he didn't just take something from the rich young ruler. No, no, he replaced something. And what he was placing in front of the rich young ruler was what? Himself. Follow me. I'm in, I'm in front of you now. You just need to follow me. You need to know exactly which type of treasure you need to pursue. It's me. You need to follow me. You know what? There's no point for you guys here to even try to store up treasures in heaven if you don't even make it to heaven in the first place. You with me? So Jesus says, of course, this rich young ruler walks away sad because he had great wealth. But if he would have walked with me, will he not receive many times as such in this age and in the age to come, eternal life? With all of our earthly treasures today, what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to redirect your attention, redirect your evaluation of them. You know what? Your treasures may be good, may be good things. But the problem with good things is sometimes they become the God things in your life. In other words, your idols. Jesus says, get rid of your idols. You need to pursue me. Because sometimes we spend too much time chasing the shadow rather than the real thing. We know that God is the producer of joy, delight, pleasure. All good things come from God. All good gifts come from God. We love, sometimes we love the gifts but not the giver. Sometimes we pay too much attention, again, on the shadow, on the things that are not tangible. You can't grab it. So imagine yourselves as five-year-old kid and your dad comes home. And when your dad comes home, you go, oh, daddy, you're home. And you go and try to hug his shadow. He will just look at you weirdly. And he will come to me asking me to pray for the kid. Now, I dread the day when Ariel tries that stunt. 
If she says, Daddy, and then she runs and tries to grab my shadow, I'll be like, you silly girl. You can't grab a shadow. You can't grasp a shadow. And a shadow can disappear without light. It can disappear. Don't grab onto the shadow. Grab onto me. I'm real. I'm tangible. That's what we need to do with God. Instead of trying to chase the shadows, the, the good things, all good things is just a shadow of God. Instead of just chasing these shadows, trying to grab hold of it. No, no. Grab hold of your heavenly father. Grab hold of him. So what is the heavenly treasure? What do you seek the most? Is it God himself, Jesus himself? It's him we ought to adore. And not about the stuff that he could give. Now today is uh, the 2nd of December. Now this also marks the anniversary of me and Demi meeting. Now me and Demi, we met in 2012, 2nd of December. Now for this next example, Demi, can you come up? Now this is my wife, guys. Give her a clap. It's my wife, Demi. <laughs> now, I met Demi 2nd of December 2012, and I thought, oh man, she's so pretty, she's so cute. And so I went up to talk to her, and one of the first lines I said to her was, hey, I'm not a player, I'm a prayer. <laughs> did it work? Yes, it did. <laughs> yes, it did. And soon after, she became my girlfriend. Then we started dating long distance, and then in 2nd of December, 2015, I asked Demi to marry me. I was so nervous. I forgot my belt. I forgot my speech. I forgot everything. But she said yes, and I'm like, man, I am punching above my, out of my league kind of thing, and she said yes. But just for this example, Demi, <laughs> just for this example, I need, I need the ring back. I need the ring back. Right, give me, give me that ring. You know? <laughs> now just pretend we don't have a kid and um, we're not married yet. <laughs> just pretend that. Now imagine you're, you don't know what's going on. Just pretend, just pretend you don't know what's going on. And then I come running out to you. I don't know if I have a horse or not, but I, I, I don't know. But I come to you down on one knee. Demi, would you marry me? Yes. She said, yes, everybody. <laughs> Celebrate with me. Okay, you, you can have a sit down. That's not the end of my example, by the way. Now imagine when Demi said yes, she starts whispering, Present, my present. And she starts kissing this ring. And she's like, I, I don't know what she's doing with the ring. Now, if you were there to witness that, wouldn't you think that's bizarre? Wouldn't you think that's peculiar? But lucky Demi's not like that. She ain't crazy. But don't you see, church, as I present the engagement ring, right? It's not just the ring that I'm giving to her. But what I'm giving to her is my whole self. The ring is not the gift. 
the gift is the giver. Now, the receiver can love the gift, but not any more than they love the giver. You get that? Because sometimes when God gives us a gift, we go crazy over this gift. And we forget him completely. Now, for all married couples, look at your ring. Look at your ring. Go ahead. I know there's some people dating in here. This, this is for you guys as well. In the near future, we remember, when you are offering a ring, you are not just offering a ring. You are offering your whole self. Now, we, Oikos, are his church. And the church is Christ's bride. And when God offered himself to us, he offered his whole self. You know, the forgiveness of sin is not even the best part of it all. God is. Because of Jesus, we can be with God. We can have God. God should be our highest treasure. Romans 6 verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know what? Eternal life is not the gift. The gift is Jesus and eternal life can be found in Him. The gift is the giver. Because once you have God, you realize you have everything. You must see wealth through the lens of the gospel church. Jesus is the highest treasure in heaven. In Revelations 21 verse 21, there's, this author describes Heaven as the city of pure gold. There's so much gold. But you know how he describes the gold? It was transparent like glass. Now I believe there's a reason why he wrote this. Because even the gold knew. Yes, there's a lot of gold here. But I'm transparent. Yes, no matter amount of gold there is here. I am not the main actor. I am not the main character. You need to see right past me to see the true treasure which is Christ himself. Look right past me and see the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Then the passage goes on to say how there no needs to be the moon and the sun because the lamb is the light of the city. Jesus is the true treasure here because heaven is not heaven without Christ. I'll invite the band to come up. Last week we talked about Zacchaeus. Now, after the rich young ruler, Jesus says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle rather than a rich man to enter heaven. But then Jesus says, but nothing is impossible with God. And he's pretty much saying, nothing is impossible with me. And then a few chapters later, we, we looked at Zacchaeus last week, if you guys remember, not if you remember. What happened was Zacchaeus looked at his earthly treasure. He had a lot of it. And then suddenly just one night, one dinner time with Jesus, he stands up and he says, that's it, I'm out. You know what, Jesus Lord, he calls Jesus Lord. Lord, you are God. And because I've spent time with you, you know what I'm going to do? 
I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor. And if I cheated anyone, I will give back four times. Now let's compare it to the rich young ruler. Hey, Jesus, you demanded 100% of him. Why only he give 50% and, and you're okay with that? No, look, it's not about the percentage. Jesus is looking at the heart. Where your treasure is, is where your heart is also. Jesus is looking, not, not at the percentages, but your heart. Because Zacchaeus knows he finally can see his wealth. You know what? This is nothing. Jesus, you are Lord. You are God. Which makes Jesus say, this is also a child of Abraham. Now, Christians, why do we be generous? Why should we be generous? If we really are a child of of God, which means child of Abraham. If we really are his child, we can't help but to be generous. He was first generous with us. Oikos Church, may you view your wealth as transparent. See through it. See the true treasure. That's Jesus. And don't lose sight of him. God bless you, church.